And I'm excited to be here doing church. And uh, we're going to be, I'm, I feel extra excited today. We're going to be picking up a, on a, a sermon series that we started last week. We're going to continue that message. We're going to be on part two already of love and respect. Y'all say that with me. Love and respect. Amen. And so I'm excited. We're going to dive in and, and drill down deeper and talk about godly love and godly respect and what that means for you and for me what that means for us as children of God, what that means for us if we're in a marriage relationship, what that means for us if we are maybe single or maybe I'm engaged. Because, guys, you need to know this. The world should recognize us, children of God, the church, the bride of Christ, by how we live in love and how we live in respect. Can you agree on that? Amen. We should stand out. We need to be the light of Christ. We need to be the salt of the earth. The world should know that you believe in Jesus by the way you walk in love. The world should know that you believe in Jesus by the way you respect others. This is what we got to ask ourselves. What is love? And what is respect? Because that word love is it's a little itty bitty word, right? Four letters. But it means so much. And if you don't get your definition on what love and what respect is from this, you'll do love and define love and define respect the way they do. And what do they say about love? Well, if you don't feel loved anymore, if they don't make you feel loved anymore, maybe you're not in love. Find somebody else. They never respect you. Don't, don't submit to somebody. Don't respect somebody unless they first respect you. And you won't look like Jesus. You won't sound like Jesus. And you won't accomplish anything. Somebody say anything. For his glory, if you do love and do respect the way the world does, we should do all relationships in love and respect the way God says. Love is a pre-decision that says, I'm going to love this person sacrificially because Christ first loved me. I'm going to respect this person even if they disrespect me. <laughs> How crazy is this? The world calls disrespect the same as disagreement. Y'all catching on to this? Just because I disagree with you, that means you've disrespected me. No. Everyone's got an opinion. I try to draw my opinions from God's opinions. And if God's opinion offends you, I still love you, but I respectfully disagree with you. Come on, somebody. Right? And so don't change the way you live if you're living the way God has called you to live to appease or please other people, especially those that aren't following or living for God, you can still disagree in a respectful, loving manner. Praise God. That's the type of love that God calls us to live in. And so in all relationships, we must do love and respect God's way. And before we get started, we're going to dive in here in a second. I wanted to do something today. And the Lord just kind of put this on my heart, and I want to do something special. So we talked about marriage all last week. If you missed last week, 
we're not going to do a whole lot of recap, but we're going to dive into a little bit of what we talked about. If you missed, you can catch up real easy watching online, catching our, our message. But we talked about marriage, and we're going to talk about marriage again today. So if you're married, you come to a marriage conference once again. Sorry. You continue to learn and get better together. And if you're single, don't check out because God's got something for you too. Amen. To learn about being married to Christ as the bride of Christ. But what I wanted to do is, because Tuesday is Valentine's Day, I'm going to give you dudes. Where's my dudes? Raise your hand. Dudes, I'm going to warn you one more time. You got a couple days. I hope you're cooking something. Do something special for your lady, right? But what I wanted to do is, I want to ask everybody who's, who's married, raise your hands. Okay, keep them up, and we're going to slowly get rid of these hands as we go. I want to honor the, the couple that's been married the longest in his house, because I know if you've been married the longest, you've probably done it God's way, which means you've, you've loved and respected each other. So if you've been married one year, keep them up. How about five years? Keep them up. How about 10 years? Keep them up. All right, we're getting down to nitty-gritty. How about 20 years? We still got some standing. We still got some standing in 30 years. Still got some standing. 35 years. We got two. We got 40 years. Oh, my gosh. Look at that, Mr. Jimmy and Karen. Y'all stand. Y'all stand. I know I don't want to embarrass you. Just stand. And uh, we're not worshiping. You guys worshiping the King Jesus because I know y'all are still married for how many years? 47 years. That's going to take some Jesus. Sugar Boo, will you, will you give this to them? And so it's not much. I wish it could be more, but it's a, a special gift card to Dairy Queen. Somebody say, aw. So uh, here's the stipulation, though. You got to use it for a date night, okay? You can't use it on the grandkids or the kids. Y'all together alone go and love each other. Get all lovey-dovey on Tuesday. Amen. And uh, God is good. Can, you, can somebody testify? 47 years. Man, that's older than I've been alive. And uh, I'm creeping up on 40, but that's awesome. That excites me. Me and my sugar boogie have been married 47 years one day. It's all going to be because of Jesus. But, but praise God. So that, let's dive into the message. And uh, we're going we're gonna to stay in Ephesians 5, just like we did last week. Okay, But I wanna, we're going to do a little bit out of order today. I, I really want to drill down this, this, this statement and really where we draw the title of our message from, this love and respect. So let's read verses 31 and 33 first today. And so this is what it says. Look at verse 31 there in the text. It says, as scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined. Y'all say that word with me? Joined to his wife and the two are united into one. I want to stop there for a moment. Paul, if you know your Bible, Paul is literally quoting Genesis 2.24. That first verse, that first sentence is literally Genesis 2.24 and we gave that to you last week. That's what he's saying. He's referencing Genesis 2.24 where it says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Look at verse 32. It says, this is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. What a statement. And it says, so again I say, each man must, what does it say? Love. There's that word. Underline that statement today. Love his wife. If you're a man, underline that statement. And you notice he speaks to the man first. Men, do you know you're first? And that's not disrespectful to your wife or your woman, but God created Adam first. So the commandment to love your wife comes first, even if she disrespects you. Love her first. Then he says, and the wife must respect her husband. Says with me, love and respect. They unlock each other. Right? And this is what we talked about last week. God calls you, us men, 
husbands. And if you're single, one day, if you're married, he calls you to love your wife first, sacrificially, just the way Christ loved his church, the body of Christ, sacrificially. And he says, then, women, respect your husbands. Respect your husbands, even if they're being unrespectable. Respect them. As long as they're not calling you to do something crazy or some, some sinful, wicked thing, respect your husband's vision for the family. Respect your husband's ideas and his family. Celebrate your husband. Where's all my ladies at? Raise your hand. Let me tell you the best thing you can do for your husband. Be his biggest cheerleader. Your husband needs to hear you cheering for him in his life. I got an amazing wife, and she's my biggest cheerleader. She's always encouraging me. That's the, one of the biggest things you can do to meet your husband in that demand, in that need for that respect, is be his cheerleader. And man, the best thing you can do for your wives is to listen. All the ladies are like, amen, pastor. Listen to their heart. Take your time to meet their need, and to listen, and, and to love. And I, we, we, we've talked about that word love already today. It means so much. We're going to kind of unpackage a lot of that today together. But you got to know as we read, read Ephesians 5, and that's the definition of God's marriage, Genesis 2.24, that God joins one man and one woman joined together. And the world is doing love all sorts of crazy ways. We have men marrying men. We have women marrying Women, we have men that identify as women marrying a man, and maybe a man who identifies as a woman marrying a, a woman or man. It gets pretty confusing. And if you don't do life God's way, it'll get messy. And so today, marriage, God's way of doing marriage is under attack. And if you don't stand and fight for your marriage, the devil will go ahead and straight up take it from you. And my single folks, where are you at? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, raise your hand. If you're single, you need to fight. And if you have a desire for God to send somebody in your life, do it God's way. Don't sell yourself short. Don't just jump into a relationship with the first person that comes into your life. Remain pure until you get married. Don't do marriage the world's way. Because marriage is, is under attack. The enemy hates marriage. He wants to pervert it because it's a blessing of God. And everywhere you look, we're talking about love and respect. Why is divorce in the, it's in the 50s and 60% I believe? Because everywhere you look, you have unloved women who got married. They no longer feel loved. And everywhere you look, we have unrespected men that got married. And they don't feel loved anymore and they don't she don't give me respect anymore and you know what I'm gonna just find somebody else I'm gonna do the next thing and if you don't stand and fight for your marriage the devil will straight up take it from you it says that God joins one man and woman and brings them together joins a man and a woman two different people with two different ideas two different gifts and talents he joins them together God's the joiner, but hear me, love and respect is the glue. God's the joiner, but your love and respect is going to be that thing that keeps you glued together. 
Remember when you were dating married men? Y'all were inseparable. You held hands everywhere you went. You were so close and snuggly. And you kissy, kissy, and you smoochy, smoochy, and you text, text, text all day long. You were so close together because she loved you and you respected her. And now 20 years later, you're like 20, an arm's length away, right? Love and respect is the glue that keeps you joined together. Praise God. Can I get an amen? And let's look at that first point today. And actually, if you came last week, you're going to recognize it. We're actually using the exact same point. We don't do this often. But I, we really wanted to drill this home. So look, look at marriage as we're talking about marriage. It's God's idea, and it's holy. Marriage is the context for all loving, intimate, and sexual relationships between one man and one woman. If you do marriage the way the world says, what will the world say? Sleep with them first. How messed up is this? I, I hear men say this. I live in the world. I'm not of it, but I live in it. Try out the goods first. How messed up. And then find out if you love her. And then maybe marry her. Women, don't give yourselves away for something holy. And men, same thing. You remain pure. You're supposed to lead her. You know what the best thing you can do for for your girlfriend if you're single or for your spouse if you're engaged, your future spouse, is to lead her and keep her in purity. God calls you to do that. You set up the parameters. You set up the guardrails. Do marriage God's way because marriage is holy. Marriage is sacred. It's the joining together. Paul says it's a great mystery. The same as God, Christ, joining together one with his bride, the bride of Christ. Marriage is forever. Now that's an upside down and backwards statement in this world that we live in. God wants marriage to be forever. When God joined Ian and Pastor Jessica, he said they'll be joined together forever as one flesh. The world says when it gets hard, get a divorce. Is she really worth that much headache? She never respects you. She never listens to you anymore. She never loves your ideas anymore. I shared last week, I feel like I have no more good ideas anymore. Pastor Jessica, she's doing better. She's growing. She's starting to love my ideas again, praise God. Women, he doesn't love me. He doesn't doesn't do those special things he used to do when we were dating. He doesn't take us out anymore. He's never never happy anymore. He He seems stressed all the time. He And if both could slow down, slow down and and cipher out the static of life and the static of Facebook and the status of of this and that. And if you get still at the feet of Jesus, you'd see that he's probably not loving you because somewhere you've disrespected him. And she's probably not respecting you anymore because somewhere along you stop loving her. Come on, can I get an amen? We're going to talk about the cycle of death that we can find ourselves on. And it's going to take Jesus. It took Jesus to keep Jimmy and Karen Martin married for 47 years, right? I know they're, they ain't perfect. They would never stand and say that they are. They've had some tests and trials, right? They've had some storms, right? They've been through this stuff. But I guarantee you this, if I could let them come up here and talk, they would say, we're still here because of Jesus, but because we love and respect each other. When it got tough, I loved her harder. When it got tough, I respected him harder, Right? Marriage is holy and sacred. When done God's way, it can be your greatest blessing. Marriage, your greatest blessing that you can have. When you get married, you get a permanent helper, praise God. And I got a permanent helper every time I drive somewhere. 
forever. Going too fast, babe. Use your blinker, babe. I hear you, babe. Buckle up, babe. I get a permanent helper forever. I'm being funny. But on a serious side, she, she covers my blind spots, guys. She sees things that I don't see within the church, within my life. And, 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 and when she comes to me to bring it out of love, and when women come to us to talk to us about things, guys, you got to see that they're doing it out of love. And so when she comes to me, I feel like maybe she's telling me I'm doing something wrong or not doing something right. I'll feel disrespected. And so, men, we got to work on, on receiving. And women, you got to work on your delivery. Because sometimes I tell Jessica she has this mama tone. And so it ain't just what you say, ladies. It's how you say it. And she does a great job of, of, of loving me and being my cheerleader. But sometimes she has this mama tone. I'm like, babe, I, I need you to be my wife right now, not my mom. Right? And so that's true to an extent, but Ian has to work on seeing what she's doing because she's doing it out of love. Do you see that? So I got things I got to work on, and us, us men have things we got to work on, and ladies, you have, you have things you have to work on as well, right? When it works together God's way, it can be your greatest blessing, a helper and a permanent life partner for life. What a statement. Are you committed to your spouse for life? Do you have a plan B? Do you have a back door creaked open? If you do, you're not going to make it. She's got to be your plan A forever. And if you love her, she'll know that she's your plan A because you'll treat her as such. You're my only plan, babe. You're, all, you're my only plan besides Jesus. Jesus and you. And I want to demonstrate that every day. Hear me now, if we do it God's way, it can be your greatest blessing, but if you do it any other way, it can be your greatest curse. And if you're single, you better do your homework. What do I mean by that? When you're dating, ask them the tough questions. When you're dating, don't find those answers out after you've said, I do. And I see it over and over again. And I think people don't do the, they don't have the tough conversations. And we had some tough conversations. And she asked me some pointed questions. I asked her some pointed questions. I want to make sure that we agree on the basic things. You know, where does life start? What do you believe in church? What do you believe in Jesus? What do you want to do for your kids? What, what's your, your vision look like for a family, for your business, for your life? And I, I'm a, I think people don't have those conversations because they're scared of the answers they're going to get. Because God sent somebody into my life, and I really, really, really like them, and I'm really, really attracted to them, and they seem to have this special little magic pixie dust, and whenever I'm around them, I feel so good. And I'm telling you, if you don't do it God's way and do your homework, that's going to wear off one day. Me and Jessica... We have an amazing marriage, but it's not perfect. We've had some tough days. We've had some tough conversations. We've had some tough fights. But at the end of the day, I know she don't have a plan B. And she knows I don't have a plan B. And we still have those storms even after the fact. We had the tough conversations when we were single. But I'm sure glad we had some of them because that means we don't have to fight and fuss about a lot of other things. We hardly really fuss, but when we do, it's, it's, it's usually something that's not something fundamental, foundational in a relationship. Or, you know, am I mad or jealous because she's doing this? Or, 
No, it's, it's, it's something at a graduated level uh, because we, we do marriage God's way. Does that make sense? And so do your homework because divorce is a real killer. And it doesn't just kill you and the other person. If you have kids with that person, what does it do to the kids? I, I've confessed I'm from a divorced family, and a lot of my root issues being an addiction and feeling unloved and unworthy, all these things stem from that a child seeing my parents be divorced. And so divorce is a real killer. And uh, in honor of the Super Bowl, I guess today, y'all know it's the Super Bowl? Happy Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. Say it with me, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. One of the all-time greatest quarterbacks, if you don't know his name, is Tom Brady. Anybody ever heard of Tom Brady? From the University of Michigan. I'm going to go ahead and just plug that real quick because I'm a Michigan fan. Anyway, I'm getting way off track. He's an awesome football player, but this year he actually went through divorce. I was watching an interview, and he didn't have this greatest year this year. He's also like 40-something years old. But he said, I went through this divorce, and I just started losing weight. He said, I couldn't, no matter what I did, I couldn't put weight. Dude lost like 20 pounds, and he was already a stick. So when I say divorce is a killer, divorce is a killer. It affects every fiber in your body. And it affects the other person, too. So do marriage God's way. Let's read Ephesians 5, 21 through 28. This is really our foundational scripture that we used last week. Look, it says, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands is the head of his wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Paul, in a roundabout way, is saying love is going to cost you much. Real love real authentic godly love and the way we do marriage it's gonna cost you much men you have to lay your life down for your wife just as christ laid his life down for the church women you're gonna have to submit onto your husband just as the church submits on to the christ it submits on to christ the issue is in our culture we have a submission problem no one wants to submit to anybody because if i submit to somebody that means that they're right and that means that I'm wrong. And you know what? I can't live with that. What did we say last week? When you submit, and Paul, he doesn't say just wives submit unto your husbands. You see what he said first? He said submit unto one to another. Submit to each other. Now, you never submit to somebody who's living in, in sin or, or in evil or wickedness. But if it's somebody that's over you, any type of authority, especially in a marriage relationship, he says we're to submit on one to another. And we said when you submit in faith to somebody else, you're not submitting to the person. You're submitting to Jesus, right? You're not validating their opinion. You're saying, I'm going to submit unto Christ. Come on, somebody. You got to get that in your spirit. You got to drill that down. Wives, when you submit unto your husband, when you, when you take up his idea or when, when you let him pick where he wants to eat that day or you let him drive, maybe without a seatbelt for like a quarter mile down the driveway, when you do that, you're not doing it onto him. You're doing it onto him. And if you don't submit intentionally, you're actually living in sin. Did you know that? 
Because they're under the umbrella and the covering of a marriage relationship. And so we got to see that we both have, God calls us both a give and take. Marriage is going to cost us something. We have to see beyond our own needs and our own desires, and we have to begin to meet the other person at theirs. In, in sickness and in health, in the good days and the, that's what you said, right? You have to meet their needs when maybe your needs ain't getting met. You still got to, love is going to cost you something. Both people have to be willing to submit to each other. And if you submit it onto him, the second part, submitting onto them, becomes a whole lot easier, Start your day by submitting unto him. And then submitting unto them will be a whole lot easier. Look at the next point. So this is what we said. We talked about love and respect, right? Excuse me. And so the core value of every woman is love, which means her deepest need is love. And mutual submission for a husband means to love your wife as Christ loves the church. So this is where we started on packaging last week, where women really, what drives them is the desire to be loved. Do men need to be loved too? Of course, okay, that's a given. Do women need to be respected too? Yes, they sung a song about it. Right, they need respect too, that's a given, right? But what we're trying to do is see the special core needs of the other person. God designed men and women differently, I'm glad. Right? We're, we're, we're equal in the eyes of God. Men and women are equal. We can accomplish the same things, but we're not the same. Right? So, man, you have to see that need in your wife to be loved. When you make her feel loved, she opens up. Right? She's, she becomes the best version of herself. A woman's language is love. Women, you got to know that your husband's language is respect. Do you see how this could get messy? <laughs> we all speak English, right? When you say something to me, I can understand it. But what if you spoke Chinese and I only spoke English? Are we going to be able to get very deep in conversation? Apart from high and by, probably not. And so this is what you got to see. Man, your wife is, is, is pursuing you and is wanting to do those things because she desires to be loved. And she's, she, we generally reciprocate how we receive. And so she wants to receive love, so she's trying to give love. She speaks love. <laughs> And women, you got to see that your man, he, he reciprocates and receives in respect. He speaks respect. Right, guys? We have a respect code. It's understood. You disrespect me, we got a problem. I respect you, you respect me. And so he speaks in respect. And so do you see where this can get messy? She's speaking in love, and he's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Why did I get just step foot in the door? And what? This, this. Uh, and, 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 and she's, he's speaking in respect, and he's trying to speak to her, and she's like, whoa, 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 and before you know it, you're down a rabbit trail of all sorts of events, all sorts of hurts, all sorts of pain, all sorts of, you fill in the blank, right? Anybody been there? Like, how are we fighting about this? What are we talking, what is really going on? And it's because she speaks in love, and he speaks in respect, both of us. We did this last week. We pointed at, our, at ourselves and said, it's got to start with me. Let's do it again. Do this. It's got to start with me. 
And, and I got to be better at, y'all don't got to repeat this, but I got to be better at learning their language. I, I got to be better at learning their language. Men, that means you better dive into what love is. Can I give you a pointer? Read this every day. And women, I, I got to be a better studier on what respect is and how I can, how I can meet my husband on a level of respect. Look at Matthew 7, 12. I want to I give you a little Holy Spirit nugget they gave me this week. Look what it says. It says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Is that a truth? Right, we can live by that. Right? That's a fundamental truth. We teach our kids in kindergarten that. Teaching kids the scripture, and maybe teachers don't even know they're teaching them scripture, but that's what God's word it says. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. Do to others whatever you would like them to have do to you. That is fundamental truth. But the Holy Spirit showed me that's actually part of the problem in marriage. Because if women do speak love and men do speak respect, see, Men receive respect, so they speak respect. So their wife needs to be loved, and they're trying to love their wife through respect. Do you see that? They're doing unto others what they want done to them, and vice versa. The woman needs love, and her husband needs respect, and she is trying to love him. <laughs> and maybe he's feeling like, this is, you know, like too, too, much, too saturated, just... I need, I need a little bit of space, right? When, when me and Pastor Jessica, sometimes when we get into a little argument or a little fuss every now and again, I, she wants to hash it all out. And, and, and she's great at speaking. She can speak circles around me. And, and before I know it, I'm like, I forgot what I wanted to say. And, and, and it's like getting heated. And it's like, I, I say, I hear you. I, ne I need a moment. Like I literally go maybe to, my, to, to our room, or I might take a drive or just go outside. I, say, I, I need 20 minutes to process this so I don't say something that's going to hurt you because I really want to choose my words and see. I'm doing it out of what? Out of, because that's how men do. But what does she see? She sees me not loving her. And do you see how that can get messy? If you can just begin to see where the other person is at, it can all get better. It won't get fixed overnight. It won't be perfect. It never will be perfect, but it can get better. Do you want better? It can get better. You can love her, and she can respect you, and you both can grow and get better together. Look at the next point. So when her need of love is met, her heart is opened. Look at this. She becomes the person you dated, fell in love with, and wanted to marry. So what happened? Y'all say that with me. So what happened? How does the person you couldn't get enough of become the person you can't stand to be around? And that's real talk. That can happen sometimes. That's what happens when you have a, you join two people together and now you got a mortgage payment and two cars and three, four, five kids in life. And it's like, who are you? When you meet her love need, you fill her love tank. Guys, when you go out of your way, you got to see that she has a need to be loved. When you go out of your way to meet that need, you fill her love tank. When you were dating, you both were so full of love. 
You both were so full of love. You did all the things. Man, you used to text like all day long. Like in the morning, that was the first time. Hey, baby, I hope you have a good day. I love you so much. I miss you. Kissy face, kissy face, huggy face. Ten minutes later, how's your day going? I hope it's going so good. Lunchtime, how's your day going? I can't wait to see you later tonight. Now you text them on the way home, hey, pick up some diapers and some groceries. And you text back, K. Not okay. Not okay, thumbs up. Not okay, baby. Dance emoji, that's my favorite emoji. K. What happened? There's a lot of factors. One of the number one, probably most being is somewhere, God is not still number one. You've heard me say this all the time, and, and we can subconsciously do this. We don't mean anything by it, but we're human, right? And I, I put my spouse in God's place, and I look to them to fulfill all my needs, all my desires, to keep me full. And God gives you a spouse to add on to you. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds favor with God. It does not say he who finds a husband finds favor with God. Women, you can write that down. You got a little point on us that says, he who finds a wife finds favor with God. So God wants your, your marriage to add on to your relationship with him. Do you see that? A factor is selfishness. Myself over my spouse. They want to do this this weekend. I've already got golf lined up. Had it lined up for days, for weeks. Now we're fighting about what we're doing that weekend. Self over spouse. Is that God's way of doing marriage? He never says that, not once. You have to find a, a common ground, a common place to agree and move forward. No more pursuit is a common factor on how we get this way. You've stopped pursuing her. Women, you've stopped pursuing him. Everybody wants to be pursued. Everybody wants to be desired. Pursue your spouse. Do date nights. Do the special things. Something that's going to make them feel special. Another factor, the need to be right. If your need to be right is more than your need to love them, something's wrong with your heart. If you need to be right that bad, then you love yourself more than you love them. Another factor, people change. Write that down. When you married her, Jimmy, 47 years ago, was Karen the same person? Foundationally, right? You're not helping me, sir. Foundationally, right? But she's changed over time, right? Just within seven years with me and Pastor Jessica, we're different people. And we're the same person, but, but people change. It's okay. Another factor hurts in history. You felt unloved a month ago. He did something he didn't even know he did. And now you're purposely disrespecting him in spite. You're hurt, so you're going to let somebody know about it. Usually him. You know, there's a difference between ignorance and intentionality. If you hurt somebody unintentionally, that person has no idea, right? 
but you're going to intentionally hurt them? You're hurt, so you're going to hurt them? Does that make any sense to you? you got to give the other person some grace is what I'm trying to say. Don't always expect that they know everything going on because they probably don't. Chalk it up as grace. Say they probably didn't mean this. Right? And so if they didn't mean this, that means we have to have some healthy conversation. I said that last week. You need to talk. Even if it means I'm going to have some tough conversations, at the end of the day, you bear so much fruit from just, that's all it was. That's usually what it boils down to. That, that's all it was. You've been treating me like a month like this because of that? I didn't even know. Right? God desires that over time, get this, that we fall deeper in love. God desires that over time, you should be deeper in love. If you've been married one year, you should be more in love a year later. If you've been married for 10 years, you should be in love more. The same with our spiritual walk with Christ. I should just be as zealous and passionate about Christ as I was the day I got born again. And when you're in your marriage relationship, you should be even more passionate and more in love 20 years from the day you said, I do. Holy Spirit gave me this little picture. I want, want you to ask yourself this question if you're married. Does my marriage look like a fine wine? And I am never, ever going to push alcohol. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying. You know I'm totally against alcohol. Alcohol about killed me. But what I'm trying to say is alcohol gets finer with age. Right? It becomes sweeter. It becomes actually more expensive and more... More, more sought after, becomes sweeter the longer it goes. So is your marriage like a fine wine? <laughs> or does it look like a pair of old socks? What do I mean by that? You know what I do with my old pair of socks? I throw them away because eventually they get holes. They get kind of stinky. And they don't seem very comfortable to wear anymore. I feel like there may be some marriages that feel like a, a pair of old socks. You're leaking everywhere because you got holes everywhere. And you stink a little bit. Maybe no one likes to be around you because you're angry all the time. You don't even know why you're angry. And it's because you got all these unresolved issues and you're just leaking like a sieve everywhere and you stink. God wants you to be holy. When you're holy, guess what? You're whole. And if your marriage ain't working, guess what? You're broken. And so get right with Jesus first, and then get right with the person that God sent to you to be a blessing. Look at Revelations 2, 4 through 5. It says, but I have this complaint against you. This is... John, writing in Revelations, this is actually a vision that Jesus is saying to John in Revelations. And look what he says. He's actually talking about the seven churches. And he says, but you, I have this complaint against you, Jesus says. You don't love me or what? Each other as you did at first. Look how you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. 
If you don't repent, I will come and remove. Mm, somebody say, mm. remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. If you don't repent from your sin, God will remove you. If you're too prideful to repent from your sin, God will remove you. And so God says, you don't, you don't treat me like you used to at first. You got born again 20 years ago. You were serving. You were loving people. You were respecting people. You'd do anything the church asked. And now 20 years later, you're cold. You're callous. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. God says, you don't love me and treat me the way you used to at first. Or each other, he says. You were married 10 years ago. You used to love each other. And now you fight like cats and dogs every single day. He says, return to me, you know what that word repent means? It means to return to the high place that God has for you. Both people have to repent to return to the high place, and then we can begin to move forward. Look at that last point, or the second to last point. I better hurry up here. I might have to skip a lot of good stuff. Somebody say good, good stuff. So we ask that question. How do we get to the place where we found somebody that we could never get enough of, to where I can't even stand to be around them. It's called the crazy cycle. I want to go ahead and, and plug Dr. Emerson Egerich's. I said that last week. Much of what we're teaching and preaching comes from his book, Dr. Emerson Egerich's. Look him up. He talks about this crazy cycle. He says, when the husband acts unloving, the wife acts disrespectful. And when the wife acts disrespectful, the husband acts unloving. This can happen in a second. And if we're not spiritually mature, it can last a lifetime. This is true of marriage and all relationships. So where are you today? Are you on a crazy cycle? Does your life look like a pair of old socks? Or are you living your best life? Fine wine on the high shelf. Doing what God's asked. Loving others. Respecting others. Because if you're not doing that and you're on a crazy cycle... If you stay on the crazy cycle, your heart will remain hard and your life will remain a mess. If you can't have the guts and the faith to get off, get off your path like a little hamster on a hamster wheel. You're running your little race, not going anywhere, wondering why nothing's changing, nothing's getting better, everything is actually getting worse, I'm angry, I'm mad at you're doing your own little race, not going anywhere. If you can have the guts to say, you know what, what's going on? And get off. And say, Jesus, lead me. Be a lampstand unto my feet. I promise you, I promise you, he'll lead you into the promised land. It may take a, a day, it may take a minute, it may take a week, it may take a year. But I know his journey with him leading is a whole lot better than this. Crazy cycle that kills, steals, and destroys. Amen. Look at that last point. We give you the same last point. It may look familiar again this week. We gave it to you last week. Wanted to drill this home one more time. So we had the same thing last week. God in his wisdom created a supernatural dependency that requires humility and sacrifice for all relationships to thrive. He asks us to give what doesn't come natural because he wants us to live supernatural lives. The good news is God does not want you to live a natural life. He wants you to be supernatural in the spirit of God. The thing is, every single person desires to be loved, desires to be respected, desires 
for that connection with other people, desires relationships, desires acceptance. The key is getting there takes humility and sacrifice. That's how you get to the destination. You get all those good things from God when you first live humbly, live respectfully, live a life of sacrifice, loving others and respecting others. That's the key of getting there. I'm going to leave you with 1 John 4, 19-20. It says, We love each other because He loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. They're living in sin. They say, I love God, but they have something unresolved with a believer. That person is lying themselves all the way to hell. For if we don't love people that we can see, I love this, how can we love a God whom we can't see? Does that make sense? That's like good old Holly Pond redneck right there. I say I love God, but I, I hate people. People say that all the time. That's not God's word. And it really makes sense. How, how can I say I love in something I can't see or experience, but I come in contact with people every day and I hate them? People created in the image of God? People that fail? Faultless people? People that are going through storms, tests, trials that I can't even see? Their family's dealing with this? Their family's dealing with that? And they unintentionally offended you or hurt you or disagreed with you, and so you're going to hurt them out of spite? You're a liar. Repent. God calls us to love him and love others. Loving God, loving people, and this is what you got to know. Leave this for free. It's going to take him to do both. It is going to take the spirit of God for you to love God. In the furnace, in the storm, when it's good, when it's bad, when it's questionable, to love and trust God, it's going to take God. And to love others, you don't need me to tell you, it's going to take God. It's going to take God to forgive others and to love others and respect others. Who wants the best that God has for them? That's me, man. Even though I fail, I want to give God my best. Amen. Y'all pray with me. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy and your kindness. God, I thank you that you are perfect, faultless, and that you are truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what I want to do is I want to invite you today. If, if you're already in a relationship with God, you've been born again, I want you to pray for the lost right now, please. But if you're watching us online or here in the sanctuary, and you say, Pastor Ian, something you said today, changing my mind, changing my heart. I want, I want to get right with God. I want to love God. And I want to love people. If you want to stand to accept Christ today, the time has come. I want you to, to have the faith to stand up right now, physically. And no one's looking at you, I promise. No one's going to see you. But I, if you say, why do I got to stand? I'm asking you to stand because I, I want you to show God that you hear what he's saying in your heart. Say, God, I see you. I hear you. You're dealing with my heart. I want to stand for Christ today. Be the best decision you ever made, I promise. We talked about marriage all day, I know. The best decision you can make is to be married to Jesus. To get born again. Does Jesus have a say in your life? Does he tell you where to go? What to say? What not to say? If he has a say, 
you're probably married to Jesus. But if you're just doing life your own way, you're probably not born again. You're probably not saved. I want to change that. Give you a few moments if you want to make that decision today. If you're joining us online, please let us know if you're praying that prayer with us. Say, hey, that's me. I want to pray to accept Christ. Amen. Amen. No one is standing, but somebody could be making this decision online. So I want to lead us on a prayer. Let's say it loud together. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, we love you. We accept your son, Jesus. We believe that he's the savior of the world. I confess now that he's Lord of my life, Lord of my heart, and Lord of my mind. Forgive me my past and sins. Send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. I hope you enjoyed church today. I, I know I'm very glad you guys came. I hope you are glad you came also. Y'all are officially dismissed, okay? Enjoy your Sunday, your Super Bowl Sunday. Be safe, and you better dudes. Where's my dudes at? As you leave, make sure you got something.